As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Anyway, she goes to bed. I open up a box out of Barbara's. I light up. I call myself a cognac. Uh, and I watch the 14 fists of McCluskey. <laughs> What a picture. Yo, homie, that my briefcase? And start asking the right fucking questions. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Raman Rant. Uh, one hit minute productions exclusive patreon podcast and joining me today to talk about shaking sinatra's hand are the morcom and wise of the thievery world one ben david grabinski and co-host of the king cast scott wampler gentlemen welcome so much to come together for us to talk about oceans 13 one Very of the great one of the great sequels of all time am i the only one of us who's shaking sinatra's hand because there's a really great story about it is it, it never happened mm. yeah no it never happened it never happened no <laughs> you're and... gonna use your best joke right off the bat i honestly just <laughs> it's gonna be all down <laughs> that just came out of nowhere and it felt right like in my heart i thought let's just joke about it i'm, and, I'm, uh, I'm gonna and give you a story go from there well, we, we are here in the spirit of fellowship and camaraderie which i think is is thematically appropriate to the oceans movie so that makes sense it's good instincts ben david i like where your head's at yeah i mean to think that mark Wahlberg was supposed to play the matt damon role but then dropped out because he was annoyed that press uh kept talking about him working with george clooney i haven't looked at this in maybe <laughs> 40 years but i remember he did perfect storm and uh three kings And someone, uh, someone on some talk show, I think someone was like, "Oh, so cool that you and George keep working together." And, and Wahlberg's like, "You know, like I don't know why everyone acts like we're friends. Like me and George is like hanging out all the time. Like we've just been in movies together. Like he's not like my bro." Um, and uh, he went <laughs> to movie Christ. to do the Planet of the Apes remake, and I feel like everything worked out for everyone. Well, Every we, would there be Wahlbergers? If he had played Linus, I don't think so. I don't think Clooney would have had that villa. I'll tell you that right now. No. 
Have you guys seen Paradise? It's really good. Which one? Oh, the new with Julia Roberts. No, I, I've, I no. actually, in Australia, it's it had like a brief run at cinemas, and now it's like off, and I missed a chance to do it. But I did actually buy the VOD so I could watch it with my wife for like a Saturday night, like movie night in, you, rather you than watching, rather than watching the Pelican brief again. Uh, it, to me, it was like my Avengers Endgame. Like I got <laughs> George Clooney and Julia Roberts in the same movie. I like. When do we get that anymore? Is it good? Is it like legit good? I don't know. Look, so <laughs> I love romantic comedies of yeah. all stripes. Like I, there's ninety percent of them I enjoy, and I spent the whole time just in awe of these two people who had so much charisma and charm. You know, like, do you remember a time when like famous people seemed exciting as opposed yes. to like today? Most people are like, <laughs> yeah. I don't ever want to hear anything from you. The whole time, I'm like, wow, I get to hang out with these two famous people. This is so cool. Like, they're just gonna hang out and like pretend to be like us. Uh, it was. Yeah, you might. There was a time where you might go like eight to ten months without seeing a certain celebrity because they were off filming something. You weren't. That's how I fucking... felt. When's yeah. the last time you saw just a piece of entertainment that had both of those people in the movie? Mm -hmm. it, it felt like they're, they came down from Mount Olympus and were like, hey, we're going to hang out with you guys for a little bit. You want to see us? <laughs> you want to see us banter? They you want to see under two hours? Well, guess what? You got a ticket to that. <laughs> they've got to, they've just got to be doing that for fun, right? Like neither one of them needs the money. She's like, not really working much these days, as far as I can tell. They must just be like, hey, did you read the script? Yeah, let's go fucking make it. Yeah. Wait, and let's have an excuse for a holiday in a beautiful location and hang out yeah. and bust each other's balls for like eight weeks. And yeah, Bob it's Shunko. like what Sandler does. Yeah. But that is what the, the Oceans movies are the art version of that, where yes. Yes. you feel like you're hanging out with these people for two hours, but the movie is also really well executed really smart really fun really playful but it's not annoying you're like it's fun to watch brad pitt eat chips and yeah i don't want to watch elon musk eat chips but brad pitt eating <laughs> chips dude that's fucking cinema brad yeah. pitt eating gyoza brad pitt eating dumplings brad pitt eating burritos and doing the in the first one mm, 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 just Even something brad not going pitt, down like a coffee cup on the way to a private jet in yeah. the opening of this movie, yes, relatable. It's like Brad Pitt's <laughs> and then you know, and like if this was Bullet Train, there'd be a whole flashback to the coffee cup. We would like see what the coffee <laughs> cup did for the last three days, all leading up to him holding it. This only makes sense if you've seen Bullet Train. Have you seen Bullet Train, Scott? Yes, I've no, seen it. I I, I've seen it. Oh, and God, I God. was just going to say, then you'd see the baristas who were brothers and the backstory to the baristas who made the coffee that he picked up for for a day. I wanted stunk. to see Bullet Train. Um, <laughs> it seemed like you know, like I'm in this, I'm in this mode, and I have been pretty much since COVID started. Where, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really down so much for like dreary shit. Like I just want to be, I want fun. I want to be entertained. That's yeah. it. That's entertainment. That's really, it. Yeah. And, and in, a, in a way that doesn't insult my intelligence. Um, and so I wanted to see Bullet Train. It looked like it would be a fun way to kill 90 to 100 minutes or however fucking long it is. Tell, is it three hours long or something? It was four. Actually. Okay. Okay. There, well. there, there was two intermissions that I created on my own. <laughs> to just like, 
go look at my phone. But right. you know, it, was, it, was really solid. it was a little bit shorter than Terrifier 2. So like it was four hours. Right. And Terrifier 2 was like 4.30. I think. I, uh, everything I read about Bullet Train, like I read a few reviews. And the reviews that I read of it, and they, they weren't even necessarily negative, I don't think. I think most of them were mixed. But what, what, what the critics had to say annoyed me about the movie in a way where I was like, I'm not going to go to a theater and say this. This sounds like maybe it's annoying. So I'll just wait for it to be streaming and check it out. Well, it's interesting because it's a movie about a hitman who's in therapy, which yeah. I've never seen before. No. I've never seen John Cusack do that in Gross Point Blank. I've never... Because he, the thing is, he murders people, but he also goes to a shrink to talk about like his. What? So that okay, so, I was under the impression that couldn't be done. So he's a murderer, <laughs> but he also is sensitive, which is kind of oh. interesting because murdering is not something a sensitive person would do. So historically, no character no. does like the whole movie. He's like, uh, yeah, I'm murdering people, but also I'm worried about their feelings, and and I think. It's such a unique approach because those things should contradict each other. It'd be like if in Oceans, Danny was like, I don't like stealing. <laughs> but then he steals. Like, who wants that? that? That's like great. That's what we want out of movies. It was, it's when you say things like that, Ben David, I then imagine the pitch meeting and just the one lone person in the room who is like, any of the three of us who's just like, oh, so this is what we're doing? We're, we're pretending this has not been done before? Okay. <laughs> uh, like, is, is everyone, yep, there's no, I'm just going to look around the room. Oh, no, yep, no one, no one. All right. I'll, I'll, well, I'll actually, stay quiet. It's really, stay there's quiet. another really interesting thing is that uh, Brian Tyree Henry in it, he keeps talking about Thomas the Tank Engine, which mm. is so fascinating because he's a killer, but he has, he knows about pop culture, you know? So like when he's talking about these references while also murdering people, it's relatable because we all have also experienced pop culture. Hmm. So it's balancing this universal banality with, if, if I'm understanding you correctly, stone cold murder. Yeah. And I don't know there, if I'm there should be a filmmaker who that's like his whole thing. Cause I think it would know, be a good bit. Yeah. And especially if like, he realized that he had to evolve even further and first start making action movies, but then start doing like period pieces mm -hmm. instead of just being stuck within that paradigm. Um, but I just have never heard of that in a movie before. Or, but the thing I want to talk about today is, has anyone seen a movie about Las Vegas? No. No. Rarely. Rarely. This is one of the first. But was the movie Casino about Las Vegas or was it about? No, no it was about Atlantic City. No, that's that's The Sopranos. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. Sopranos is about a guy who owns a bunch of casinos in Atlantic City and runs for president. Okay. All right. There's a casino scene in a James Bond movie, I believe. I don't think so. Yeah, that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't sound right. There's that one where he plays Uno, and then the guy is bleeding whenever he gets a red card from his eye. <laughs> and there's a lot of golf. And a, a lot of golf in in Bond, but not necessarily Polo. I think too Polo. Uh -huh. That's the, the one Brits thing love Polo. We know about James Bond is he loves Budweiser and cornholing. <laughs> just 
it's like get enough of it and they've kept it consistent (laughs) throughout the ages cast replacement you know even when the eras change they're like all he does is drink budweiser Mm -hmm. hence the iconic line my name is bond or fuck i fucked (laughs) (laughs) that's Uh, what messed up that bit that's yep that's what all right, we all we, we had we all annoyed the hell out of people for so long, and Scott just had to ruin it. <laughs> I just I flew too close to the sun, my babies. Oh uh, well, I'm gonna give you the Billy Martin, Scott. You're gonna get a chance to take it back. Uh, Very nice. This Ocean's Thirteen, written by Brian Koppelman, David Levine, obviously directed by Steven Soderbergh. The gang gets back together. Ben David, I've heard you wax lyrical. Um, about Ocean's 12 before, but let's just go back to Ocean's 11 and say that that is a movie that has no right to be that good and that consistently rewatchable since it was released. I don't think that I've ever seen before. Like the the cast, the stars, the style, the panache of the whole thing, just how effortless and confident Soderbergh feels. That was probably my favorite one. But when it came around to this film, Ocean's 13... I was all in just to hang as we were talking about before with all of these characters. And again, it's just, it's got some flashes of silliness that are totally fun. It's got these great random lines that you don't understand. Billy Martin's Susan B. Anthony's Owen Allen's, <laughs> uh, uh, uh <laughs> um, what is it? Uh, the, the, uh, reverse big stores. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 and the Brody, of course, the Brody, mm. the Brody can work. The Brody can work. Uh, I love this movie. Let's um. And before we get into the meat, because we want to talk about really why we're here, is the manufacturer plasticos uh, uh, discussion. Uh, but can you talk to me a bit, gentlemen, about why you love this flick and why you love the series? Well, whenever I see someone with a large nose, I walk up and just say, "The nose plays." <laughs> <laughs> and usually that doesn't land well, but mm-hmm. you should understand that why would a guy say that unless there was like a really good reason? Yes. Um, for me, like I was a huge Soderbergh fan uh, because he's, you know, the fucking best. And Ocean's Eleven is like the kind of movie that could complete be completely disposable and not work or feel like a jerk off. And it doesn't at all and all of the guys it still feels like really cool casting um to a point that like it just even as days go by the the new level i get when i rewatch them is that like legit sadness about bernie mac because he is so fucking good in these movies and it felt like a guy who was only gonna get better and better and better and like i legit i remember at a point just being like this guy is like a couple years away from winning an oscar and that could sound like a hyperbole now or then but his performance in 12 and 13 for me like really sticks out where he has like this sort of effortless level of being on the same tier as everybody else but the generational casting of like Elliot Gould and uh, Arkin that's like, uh, like uh, Carl Reiner. Yeah. I'm getting names wrong. 
I've always no, you're good, baby. bullet train trivia and I'm like fucking up. <laughs> um, you know, to have those guys to balance everything out, but with the different energy that they have being in their older age, where like, if you watch these as like a companion piece to the long goodbye, it just feels like this incredible look at someone who has like completely different skill sets at different times of their life, but at both times are so great. But I love these movies so much now that, like, when I was rewatching 13 today, I got, like, sad as fuck in the first five minutes seeing, like, Ruben in the hospital bed and everyone, like, wanting to help him out. It's like my fondness for these characters has only gotten more uh, expanded as time has gone by because the movies are never try hard. They're never overly sentimental. But you know all these people love each other. It's just it's just so charming but I mainly watch it for the zooms. Like these movies have the <laughs> use of zoom lenses of all time. Uh, yes. It's like he's taking the Altman thing, but then turning it into this like pop art craziness. Mm. I mean, this one has so many good zooms. Um, yeah, look, I could talk all day about this or anything else. I'm going to shut up and let Scott talk. <laughs> Scott, do you, Scott, have you seen the Oceans movies? Yes. Well, <clears throat> um we we rewatched the uh the first one the other night we've been on kind of a Soderbergh kick lately over in this house and uh so you know i was uh showing my roommates the informant they hadn't seen that oh, it's like one so of my good. favorite fucking oh my movies oh, it's just so so I, see that movie this is, is the reaction that, that you, you know an so informant fan because someone will go the informant and everyone in the room goes oh jeez, oh so, <laughs> oh the informant <laughs> it's so fucking good um and and we watched uh oceans uh we had watched solaris but um oceans <clears throat> i hadn't seen the the first one in a very long time and uh it held up way better than i would have expected off the top of my head i was just really impressed by it and um then i was i was trying to recall if i had seen 13 and it turns out i had not seen it i had seen this i had seen the second one and i i don't think i really liked that one when it came out i'd be curious to revisit it now uh because i bet my opinion on it would change i'm uh, sighing as loud as i can i'm really hoping my <laughs> oh, anyway. well this is you're 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 sighing at a, a a version of me that existed like 15 years ago or whenever i saw it i, I have, <laughs> my tastes have completely changed uh and i i i, I really want to see it now uh or see it again now but once uh, my roommates figured out that I hadn't seen 13, we're like, oh, we've got to watch 13. And so skipped over 12, went to 13. And uh, yeah, I had not seen it. Um, and the, the, the subplot in particular about the dice factory in this, I think is just the funniest goddamn thing. Uh, <laughs> really... Uh, like a creation that really didn't they they could have done anything with Affleck's character down in Mexico, you know, and there's a million different ways they could have gone that would have been trite or, you know, something we've fucking seen before or whatever. But no, they turned a revolution into this sort of like background joke that's going on through the whole thing. And uh, it delighted me to no end. Um, and I think it's maybe my favorite overall part of the movie, but it's. It's a great fucking movie, just period. So great. Ben David, you said when the guys are all around, uh, 
when the guys are all around Elliot Gould's bed early in the film, but uh, like uh, around Ruben's bed, but later on, the one like note that I love in this movie is when Don Cheadle's bashes with Danny and Ruben at the end of the movie and the fireworks and Ruben lights him a cigar and they're just arm in arm, like, you know, just hugging. And I'm like, I don't know if it's because I'm just a weepy old bitch at this point, <laughs> but like, I, I was just like, I started rolling your tear last night. My family were asleep. I'm watching Ocean's 13 and taking notes. Like it's the Zapruder film. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I, I got to that moment and I just rolled a tear and I was like, God damn it. I, I, I love these guys. I love this movie. <laughs> I love my boys. This is the best. This is the best. And I, I, I genuinely, I mean, I, 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 my, my two favorites are most certainly, you know, uh, Ocean's 11 and 13. And I, and I, and I had a similar experience to you, Scott, when I first watched Ocean's 12, that I, I didn't like it as much, but going back, like every year I find myself doing a rewatch of these movies and every year I've liked 12 more and more and more and more. Mm. And especially now, the whole um the the whole gag of uh Tulur being in this movie just keeps being better if you've just recently watched 12 like it just gets better and better and better because of all the chaos that happens there um but yeah it's, I, I i love i love so much about this movie but we'll get to the we're going to dive more into the manufacturer plasticos but i just love like I think Levine and uh, Levine and Koppelman do such a great job of just having a vernacular for this movie that is different. I think it's a really great Pacino. I love the hair. I mm -hmm. love the I love the expressions. I love the line readings. Like there's that moment where he's negotiating with Danny about the twenty percent for all of the whales, and he goes, "Okay, okay." Like I just love I love so much of this movie uh, just across the board. And Ellen Barkin, amazing, amazing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's just a really and Bob Einstein, oh. or Einstein, or however I'm probably yeah. saying it right in one way or another, but so good. I rewatched this again last night in preparation for this, and uh, the friend I was watching it with was totally unfamiliar with Bob. So as soon as the movie was over, I showed her the uh, Ida Funkhauser's Roadside <laughs> Memorial episode of Pure Beer Enthusiasm. <laughs> uh, I think Larry was a little bit too much for her, but uh, Bob, I, I don't think anyone can deny the power of. Bob Einstein. There's a documentary about the his whole thing uh, that came out after he died, um, and I hadn't seen half of the clips. Mm -hmm. uh, and just my God, his stunts gone wrong thing and his commitment oh, to Super his, Dave and yeah is just maybe the funniest thing in the fucking world. Um, <laughs> I was just I was like scream laughing at just like how bad this stuff would go. And you, no matter how much you would see a gag coming, it would land. But his casting in this is so great because in 12, you have the whole reveal of his mom. And then at the end, he's like, you didn't tell dad, did you? And she's like, no. So the dad is hovering over your head and you think it's going to be like, Anthony Hopkins or, Dan <laughs> right. or like his dad will show up someday in one of these movies and it's going to be the most sophisticated actor ever having a lark like oh look at this guy we got this huge A-list Oscar winner to like reprimand his dumb son Matt Damon and they go in the other direction in the funniest fucking way <laughs> yeah it's, it's so good man I think everything that dude does is funny 
He can be standing still and not saying a word, and I'll be laughing. There's oh. something about his face. Uh, just brilliant, brilliant performer. It, there's, he hasn't, I don't know what he's doing. It's, like, he's one of those guys who's a mystery. You look at him and you don't know how he's doing it, but you know that there's like a whole waves of like things that he's thinking and whatever the yeah. other person's bouncing off of him, you're just cackling. Like even that first call, like the way that he talks to, um, you know, Sponda, like the way he's talking to her on the phone, I've got a couple of interesting characters. I want you to check out for me. He's like, okay. Like, just like just <laughs> the space between the call and response. I just like everything about it is just fantastic. Fantastic. Has there ever been a more interesting brother to another significant famous actor than him like his brother's albert brooks so it's right. like yeah they have to me similarly similarly iconic places in my like brain for people who have like their legacy of comedy and everything mm -hmm. but unbelievably different yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally different energy. can you imagine if like he was the bad guy in drive like <laughs> <laughs> like him just like trying to apologize to somebody before killing him is like I'm really sorry sandy <laughs> yeah. headline headlining defending your life <laughs> with meryl streep still in place meryl streep falling in love with him because she thinks he's so funny just her laughing at all of his jokes <laughs> In the same way i think what we just realized the, the only way to improve that movie yeah <laughs> him just deadpanning it through the entire goddamn thing showing Look, no emotion i i just know that you feel exactly the same way about sylvester and frank frank stallone ben david that's that they're, they're the two brothers equal equal in your conception of their influence well, on pop I culture have a complicated feeling about frank stallone because he could have just been the fun goof bro <laughs> brother <laughs> But now he's the guy who gets on Instagram and like voices whatever Stallone still won't post when he's mad and drunk. So like something's <laughs> gonna be in that like like a creed thing will be announced that Stallone's not in and Stallone won't say anything and Frank will be like, We're mad. <laughs> it's like he, he's basically the like the guy who's letting you really know. It's like the angry Obama thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. People, but it's like Frank Stallone. Stallone's like I wish them all the Brett Bats. And he's like, I hate, I hate everyone who made that movie. Fuck. Sylvester should be in every fucking part of it. And you're like, okay, Frank, you don't have to share all of your thoughts, man. Size smart to do that, though. He's just like, oh, they don't, you don't have a career they could take away from you. So, you know, be the fucking voice, the, be the voice piece for me. Scott, that I mean, was, that was like low-key. Like Frank Stallone's song at the end. Yeah, like, Scott, firstly, that was low-key a fantastic Stallone. Oh, my God. Oh, I don't know how much you get to deploy it on the King cast, but my word, it was good. I don't think I ever have. I feel, well, there's a there's another time that you guys are reading an excerpt. Get it out. Have have a, have a time doing it. Um, There's a couple of things like super, like this is me being super nerdy, that I know that Koppelman is a massive fan of Heat and obviously The Godfather, and I love that Ruben has the... I that line from the Godfather, except Linus is swapped out for your mother. Like I hear cars pulling up. I hear Linus crying. Why don't you tell me what everybody seems to know? Like they get, they do, they riff the line from the Godfather and right at the beginning when he flicks, when, when Willie bank flicks, um, uh, Ruben, the coin, 
he goes, oh, they just got made. And I'm just like, oh, this is a fun. I, I love the referential like Pacino gush that happens in this movie from these writers as well. I think that like his position as a bad guy makes him a really great bad guy because he's so massive. I would agree with that. And Pacino seems to be having a ball here. Oh my God. <clears throat> like just, you know, he's not, he's not dialed up to 11 as he is in some things, but he's, uh, he's just, he looks like he's having the most fun on set every day. I mean, he's more evil than he was in Devil's Advocate, but way <laughs> yeah. smaller. Yes. Like the line when he says, like, what are you going to do? Like, throw me off out a window? or And he's like, well, I don't want to. <laughs> it's just, in another movie, he'd be like, I'm throwing you out a window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this one, it's a different approach for Pacino. Eddie Bazoom, Eddie Bazoom. <laughs> I freaking love that movie. I watched it like a couple of weeks ago. I was on a Tony Gilroy kick. I think as the whole world is on a Tony Gilroy kick right now. And I was just like, God damn it. This movie rules. Absolutely yeah, rules. Shit. Top to bottom. I mean, dude, calling, saying that God is an absentee landlord. Come <laughs> on, man. Like Tony Gilroy is just, he's always like, just so secretly like king shit. And he's just like, I guess I'll make a Star Wars show. And it's like so good. People don't even know how to watch it. <laughs> it's like, I saw the funny thing where someone was like, Andor is like the best Star Wars I've seen in forever. And it says, like, it's really mad that you disrespect the Obi-Wan show and blah, 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 blah. Now, I haven't seen Andor, but <laughs> like, I've seen a lot of like angry nerds about their, like who are like mad at how much like weird people like me love Andor. And then you read like three things they say and you realize they're like, well, I haven't seen it yet, but I saw the trailer. And like, why am I going to watch a show where like I know the guy dies? Guess what? You knew Obi Wan was going to die. Yes. Like, unless you haven't seen Star Wars, buddy. So and, you just negated your whole point, man. And you knew Anakin was going to be Darth Vader, Holmes. Like it, it wasn't going to miraculously be the hero. It was always going to turn to the dark side. That's in fact the reason you watched it because you wanted to know how it happened. Look, I not it's the Red Dawn remake that Tony Gilroy wrote a lot of for a paycheck. But besides that, the, the guy doesn't really miss. No. He's great. Even Proof of Life is good. I watched that the other day too. Proof of Life, underrated. Russell. That's Russell, Russell, I keep meaning Russell. to watch, but I've never watched. It's every once in a while I'm like, I think I'm gonna watch Proof of Life, and then I take a nap. But I bet, <laughs> I, bet I would really like Proof of Life. Uh, you is would. Proof of Life, the one where Russell Crowe was fucking Meg Ryan on the yes, set. Yes. Yes. Uh, right yes. on. Yeah. It Actually, has. That's called. I've called a very good year. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen that Wine Country Ridley movie. Is it was it called A Very Good Year? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. I haven't seen it. It's one of the few Ridley Scots I haven't. You know, I'm just not in a hurry. Well, Ridley, like, every time you see Ridley in post in the edit, he's holding like a really nice glass of wine. And you're like, oh, it's a movie about a guy who owns a vineyard and is like just dealing with having a good year. And you're like, he just got that script. And it says, good year. And the first page is like, exterior vineyard, lead characters drinking wine. <laughs> Russell. <laughs> I know what we're doing for six months. <laughs> <laughs> Screw all this training and sword play. Let's just go and drink wine at a vineyard and have a holiday for six months. We deserve it. Well, we drink in life echoes in eternity. I think that was the big line from a, very, <laughs> a great year. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's good. It's very good. It's very great. I'm really glad he made it. All right. Let's get, let's get down to first. There's a part of mustache. 
Secondly, <laughs> Danger is my middle name. And and just everything that is going on, creating like a miniature, um, like a miniature, we've just got to like, we've just got to break management uh, moment in this movie. Like some people might get off on watching them torture the restaurant reviewer. I don't really have much fun with that. You know, I'm not really, you know, I'm, I'm not really like bash doing the drilling sort of who cares, but when they go to Mexico, it's just like the whole movie takes a whole step or two, three steps up. I'm like, it's mm -hmm. so funny. It's so clever. It's got a great procedure porn thing for me as like a movie obsessive for that procedure thing. Cause obviously it's not just like, Oh, we got the factory and then it's just a montage that it's conquered. But then it's the fact that Casey Affleck's, you know, the antagonist, if you like, of trying to get these guys some better conditions. I just think it's a beautiful, silly, dopey, and just instantly classic moment in this movie. I love the digression. It's the best. It's I mean, like that uh it's like that meme with the guy pushing over the stack of progressively bigger dominoes. And the first <laughs> yeah. and the and the very first one is like, Can we get the air on in here? <laughs> yeah. And, and then the final one is like factory annihilated, you know? <laughs> I think this subplot is the closest we're going to get to Andor in this movie. So I'm glad that we can get back to what I really came here to talk about. <laughs> but uh, the, the, my, my issue with this subplot is like, it's perfect, but it's overshadowed by my favorite moment of the movie, which is you see a guy get caught cheating. They slam his head into this thing. And then you <laughs> George with this giant mustache, just staring deadpan. And then they like just exit frame. He like sucks his teeth in a weird I, way. I, like, my, <laughs> my feeling is they watched the cut of the movie and the mustache thing was like so good with Casey Affleck. George is like, guys, I'm a producer on this. Like it's like Ocean is like my name. I need to also have a great mustache moment. So like they, they're like, okay, we're well, gonna have to do this big pickup. We're all gonna fly to Vegas. We're gonna get you the biggest mustache we can ever get. But I think the real key to the sequence is the Molotov. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that is the point when it goes from being Scotty a Khan. perfect thing to a more perfect subplot. <laughs> Wait, yeah, so now violence has been introduced in the but, equation. But but, but I love that Scott they sense they send Scott Khan's character down there to like sort it out. And he's like, Yeah, and he's on the phone. <laughs> and he's talking, Yeah, we're just we're gonna break management. Like straight away, he's like usually he's the one who's like berating his uh, his, you know, brother in arms, Turk, is berating a Virgil. And he's just like, yeah, we just got to break him. And he hangs the phone up and the Molotov goes. He goes and He oh says they can't, keep, they can't keep treating us like this. He's been in town for like 10 minutes. But that that's point. the thing about the movie that like, as much as we're all joking about this, there's a couple sophisticated things going on here. One, that is the first time in all of these movies where he has his brother's back and it's in the most yeah. extreme situation <laughs> yeah he's like no matter what like his brother could be like the world's round he's like i don't know is it you know like the water's wet he's like ah. but in this case like 10 minutes later he's like no i got this we're fucking burning this place <laughs> we're gonna do this uh but the other thing is too it's like you know you get used to the thing which is like part of the fun of oceans 11 is like fuck these rich assholes let's take him down Yes. And then, you know, it just keeps going and you're doing things and you kind of forget some of the, some of the underlying elements of these movies. And then they find the more appealing version of it truly, which is like, 
oh, you know what? We're going to go even further on this. We're just going to go help these workers and take on their fucking bosses. <laughs> like, it gets into your primal thing of, like, why you like movies like this, but in, like, the most pared-down way possible. Uh, I just think it's a, a good movie, and people should talk about it on podcasts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. So much yeah, it's good. That. So much to do that, definitely. So much to think of it. You know, one thing I was thinking about over the last week, and this would probably be a, a reasonable... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Reasonable time to bring this up. Uh, while like re- revisiting some of these Soderbergh titles that I really like, is I still don't, I feel like, and maybe this is just a perception issue on my part, and feel free to tell me if that's the case, but... I still don't feel like Soderbergh gets the respect he deserves as a filmmaker. I think he is one of bar none the best working filmmakers and rarely ever makes a misstep. He fucking even Kimmy this year fucking rules. That's the best streaming movie ever made in my opinion, but continue. I don't, I don't understand why I don't hear his name brought up more often in conversations about the greats. And I guess you'll hear it from time to time, but not nearly as much as it should be given the guy's track record. And so, you know, you start thinking along the line, those lines and you're like, well, he's not like a Spielberg where he's knocking out these huge blockbusters, but yes, he is like all the oceans movies were huge hits. It's not like he only does small things that no Aaron one Brockovich sees. was absolutely yeah, Aaron Brockovich was like massive. It lived in cinemas for like six months. It's huge. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Like, is it just, are people, is he, because my next thing is like, well, maybe he's not flashy enough. He's real fucking flashy. Like, he's got style for days. And it's never, it's never overbearing. It never feels cute or, you know, like he's being precious about it. Um, It always feels earned and organic to whatever it is he's making. And it's, his movies, when I think about Soderbergh movies, I think of like a really finely made watch. And... The Oceans movies absolutely qualify for that, you know, that same same comparison. But I don't know. What do you think it is? I, I mean, oh, sorry, go, go Ben David, you please. Okay, no, the one thing is, I think it's it might be two things. One is that 
he's so good in such a variety of genres that sometimes people who are a little bit more anchored to certain genres or things like that, they kind of like stay in their wheelhouse. They don't, they don't follow him through all of his iterative things and he takes big chances. He like, sometimes sure. he'll make a movie and even if it might be a lesser, you know, to, to do that stupid kind of like tiered approach to a filmmaker, it might not jive with you, but like even his movies that some people might go, oh, I didn't really like that. It's still a, incredibly well-made movie it's smart he knows exactly what he's doing with the scripts the structures and i just think he's you know and, and he's so prolific that there's kind of like sometimes he'll release like two or three movies in a couple of years and you're like oh my god like there's just so many of them and i, I just don't feel like there's a lot of hype there's no hype in the making of he just goes off and makes the movie it comes out he lets it sit for itself and then it comes there. And the closest thing that he's had to that really is the oceans movies was like, there was a lot of that. I feel like that's when he was in the conversation, not only with Oscars, but also box office that people were like, Oh, he's done traffic. Oh, he's done Brockovich. Oh, he's doing oceans. Like he's one of the biggest filmmakers in the world. And people were talking about casting and things like that. And now because he kind of had that sort of self-imposed retirement or semi-retirement and then came back, you know, every movie that he seems to keep making is just fucking awesome. Like I, I, I bought Kimmy again. I bought, I watched Kimmy, you know, on streaming when it came out, I, I recently bought a copy and I'm so excited to watch it again because I was just like, this is such an incredibly well-made conspiratorial kind of movie. Like, so, you know, for, uh, surprise, surprise for someone who like unpacked every single minute of all the president's men. That is a movie that is deeply my shit, but like, I just love, I think he's amazing. I, I, I find it really difficult actually to say what is your favorite Soderbergh. Cause like one day it's the limey and then the next day it's Aaron Brockovich. Right. And then the next day it's, I mean, sex lies. And then the next day it's something else. It's just like, he is a mate. He's top to bottom. Amazing. Like a, a genius filmmaker. I mean, I, I'm not going to get into it because I don't like, all I know is that he's one of the best to ever do it. And we're lucky he exists but um i'm a big as much as like i'm making tv and i watch tv and people get really mad when you act like movies are better than tv like in general i think movies are better than tv but the next season two finale is maybe the best thing he's ever done um like it's it i i can't you can't even think about it without it like giving me like i'm like haunted existentially um Wait, what is this? The next season two finale. Did you ever oh, see the Nick? Okay. No, I, I watched the first few episodes and really liked it, and then I didn't stick with it for some reason and never got back to it. Well, season it's two seasons that you will get to the end and feel like you've got it all mostly resolved, and it's the best Clive Owen's ever been. Uh, yeah. It's phenomenal. Um, God, there's that scene in season one where he's losing his mind in the hospital. And Soderbergh's, it's, it's one of the big oneers in the movie. And Clive Owen's just losing his shit. And I I think that might be one of the best scenes he's ever put to anything. Anything well, screens. One of my favorite things I've experienced in the last few decades, you can't even check out anymore, which is the branched narrative version of Mosaic, um, where he had his Mosaic show that was done like choose your own adventure where you watch yeah. the pilot and then would choose where you wanted to go from there. And the story was structured based on your own thing. Um, and it was completely fascinating and it was such a brilliant idea, but I think the buy-in for getting people to sort of check that out is like difficult because like you'd have the app and all these things. 
And there was a linear version simultaneously, which was made because that's how they're like, all right, well, if we're going to do this, you should, you also have to make a version that we can air and order on HBO. And I think most people chose to watch that, which I don't feel like is ever really designed to be that way. And I haven't even watched it that way, but the experience of Mosaic for me was so much about the, you choosing what you want to see next. It's like, you'll get done and you're like, I kind of want to keep on the subplot of this guy. I can get to this guy later in the way that might your choices would make you figure out things earlier. Where like, if you followed the other thing, you wouldn't know that one guy, all the things he had done as like his backstory. But if you go the other way, you're, you have so much more information. So when you're watching these scenes, they play differently because you know what they're being honest about and what they aren't. And it was like one of the best performances Paul Rubens has done. And I think it was genuinely Sharon Stone's best performance. Um, and there's just no way for anyone to watch it. They You can't like get the app anymore. You can watch the linear version. I'm but, shocked there's not like a Blu-ray or a 4K version that's just branching. You know, I don't know why there isn't, but the thing I'm really excited about is that uh, Ed Solomon, who wrote that, um, they have a new series that's being directed right now by Soderbergh, is written by him, that is uh, like a kidnapping thriller with like a huge cast and stuff, and there's just no way that's not going to be great. But we also just got to talk about the fact that like Magic Mike XXL is one of the best movies ever made. One of the best, yeah, easily. Third one, man. So... Like, we're just lucky. We're lucky that great movies are being made. Yeah. I'm glad I, he didn't make good on that retirement the, business. But, like, even just the, like, I'm only going up to 2011. Like, 2012 is Magic Mike. Side effects, really fucking underrated. Terrific yeah. movie. Behind the Candelabra, amazing Love movie. that movie. Love that movie. And then, tying it back into what we're talking about, Logan Lucky is mm. one of the most joyful movie watching experiences you could ever like there was a time where like if i didn't know what i wanted to watch i'm like i'm throwing a logan lucky like it is amazing and and then like again high like 2019 to 20 high flying bird incredible innovative fun laundromat terrific great performances let them all talk the low-key superstar of that movie is diane weiss and then no Ooh. sudden move which fucking absolutely rules and then kimmy like, like that's just that's not even like the big headline Soderbergh stuff, and it's all and fantastic. Unsane. Uh, I, I, I watched I watched Kimmy ba like, uh, watched watched Unsane, and it was the same day that Kimmy came out, and so I think I watched them back to back, and that was that was a wise choice. Those two go very well together. <laughs> yeah, I saw Unsane opening night at the Grove in L.A. And when the freeze frame at the end happened, I cackled loudly, but it was like with glee and someone in front of me turned around and glared at me like I had ruined the movie. And I was like, dude, that was in that that was just playful as fuck. Um, the thing I'd say, though, about his retirement, uh, not to make this about me, which is just like the perspective that he shared about what made him come back and how his mindset shifted about making movies is like literally changed how I approach my job, which is that he retired because he thought he didn't like making movies anymore. But what he realized was that he hated the business and the way the business was changing. So what he decided to do is just put all of his energy just into the making of the movie and just ignore the rest of it. Yes. And, I found that's the only way to 
work in this business right now is to just make peace with the fact that I don't know what's going to be going on in six months or 18 months. Uh, I prefer the theatrical experience to a streaming movie, but I don't have any control over anything. So all I can do is the work and you can find ways to be very fortunate and to be making movies, but also be miserable because it's like, there's all these chaotic, weird elements to it. But if you just focus on the work and the process, then it can be a very fun job. But when you watch his movies, it feels like a guy who's really enjoying making the movies. And it, like he edits his own movies. They're very sparse and simple. He's the DP. And it feels like he's just executing it the exact way he wants to. And then he's on to the next one. And I find that like to be like a really great approach to the job it could be part of the reason why you don't feel like he's being discussed as much as some other people is because he doesn't have that same kind of bravado self-promotion thing where yeah. he's like out there trying to get attention for himself i mean he doesn't even give himself credit as the dp or like or the, as the editor he like has these pseudonyms yeah he's not like like it's not like you watch like a neil breen thing or one of those things where it's just like a steven soderbergh film directed by Steven Soderbergh, written by, cinematography by, like just everything. You just keep seeing his name in the credits. You just see it like once. <laughs> and then it says, there's the movie. And I just think that's a, I think that's a really good way, I think, for people to deal with, be a genius and also deal with your ego. You know? Do you think you could even name a top three Soderbergh? It, it yeah. feels like the sort of thing where no answer could possibly be wrong. Yeah. Um, and, I, and it would change like by the hour, you know. Well, the the way that I have my approach is, it's always the same thing. It's uh, the world's gonna end in five minutes. You only can bring three Blu-rays into a bomb shelter. What would you bring? And then think about it a few days later and see if like you regret that thought. And then I just sort of mentally stick with that. And someone had asked me what my top three Soderbergh were. And uh, the two of the three have not changed. The third one changes a bunch, but my favorite's out of sight. And my second favorite is Ocean's 12. Really? Wow. Yeah. Big praise. That one never changes? It never did. Those two never change. Like, like out of sight is the best romance it's... ever. Yes. Shot. It's like the best chemistry two actors have ever fucking had like i think in any movie ever it's just top to bottom like everything i want out of a movie experience uh and i think it only gets better as time goes by and oceans 12 is just the best oceans movie so you know have we talked about oceans movies yet no uh i think we'll get to it i think we'll get to i it. would like to I, I just on the subject of out of sight there's a there's a shot in that movie that i think about almost every day and I just did it while you were talking about it, and I just get goosebumps. Uh, it's the shot of, you know, when um, Lopez comes into the uh, uh, lobby of the hotel, and he's in the elevator. Yeah. And they catch each other across the room, and as it's <laughs> shutting, and he's just, like, staring at her, and then just goes, like, right before the fucking... And the I dopiest of, wave of all... It's just like... Uh, uh, it's, he is so it's fucking so blown away by her presence that all he can summon is his hand into the air. It's so fucking romantic. Like, I think about that 
like literally every day that that shot will just pop up in my head it's it's incredible that whole fucking movie god i love soderbergh and then ving rames being judgmental of, <laughs> yeah. of him putting him in danger but he's also like calling his sister and like <laughs> confessing <her>. confessing his <laughs> skin <laughs> like the fact that the people are just so human and small and all the decisions they're making are so relatable and stupid just like i mean albert brooks like being in the house the whole time or like that the diamonds were there but he's like so dumb to tell uh tell him like like the biggest idiot in the prison about it but man yeah like that movie is like so great at dealing with like masculinity and bravado as a cover for people being afraid that everyone around him knows they're a fucking idiot like there's but, just so oh you're missing my fate. favorite you you're, you just didn't mention my favorite scene i'm just gonna cap it as the cherry on top but dennis farina talking to michael keaton dude when he has food in his mouth <laughs> and he reacts yeah. to him and he has I that dumbass I'm, look like <laughs> two of my favorite humans that have ever walked the earth in the same scene like puffing their chests at each other ah oh. Nothing better in the much, world. So much time, the job of making a movie or TV show <laughs> is having 400 conversations with legal about why something can't happen. <laughs> the fact that all of these people set aside their dumb shit to let that character be in Jackie Brown and fight yes. is one of the greatest achievements, I think, by human beings in modern times. Agreed. Where it's like all these people work together to shoot down the asteroid of those guys not being able to be in both movies. Like one person could have like fucked that up and said, no, you know, we don't have the rights to that guy and he's in this thing. And now he's in both movies and we can forever enjoy it. Oh, that so had to good. be something that Tarantino and Soderbergh. Yeah. That, directly, that, right. Uh, that's is, is that I'm going to say this, Ben David, you, you'll know the story. It's like, it literally was a conversation. Tarantino called Soderbergh and said, I'd like, you know, I'd love to use Keaton in this. Are you cool? And he's like, yeah, man, sounds great. Like just two friends just making a deal. And then all of these other hangers on legal departments, blah, then have to just make it happen because the two biggest and probably most influential filmmakers at that time in Hollywood were like, yeah, this is what we're doing. So figure it out. And then Michael well, Keaton gets to do it. I the, the key to that process is something that a lot of people don't have the constitution for, which is someone says, hey, we want to do this. And someone says, yeah, we can't. And then the person says, yeah, but I really want to do it. And they go, yeah, but we really can't. And then usually what happens is that first person goes, okay. Yeah. But <laughs> it takes real courage to go, no, but we're still going to do it. And they go, okay, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the people are like, actually, no, we really can't. You're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, well, we're going to do it. Figure it out. And I think the people say we're going to do it, figure out are heroes. Yes. Absolutely. It's, it's very true. I'm so Ocean's thirteen. I, I was just gonna say I feel of those thirteen movies, what are your uh I, I, I like I can't even commit to the bad joke. <laughs> I, uh, well I haven't seen ten yet. Did anyone see that movie? Uh that movie was supposed to be Brett Ratner. Can you imagine? Jesus Christ. Oh god. But the thing is, he really showed that he was the right guy when he made Tower Heist. Was it called Tower Heist? I thought it was called like Money Heist or some bullshit. No, it Money was, Heist is a different called, one. It, it was called Trump Heist for a long time. It's Tower Heist. It Trump Tower, and then it became Tower Heist. Yeah. Oh, God. Gross. 
Could you imagine uh, if a movie called Trump Heist existed? Still, I love yeah. the, the Hook of Tower Heist. Was what if a movie was bad? <laughs> I saw that when it came out, and I don't. I could not tell you a single thing about it. I, yeah, I thought sober and don't remember a single thing that happened. It was. It was. Yeah. It was. It was anesthesia. Like I. I remember sitting in the seat and, and it finished, and I had. I, it, it effectively rendered my emotional spectrum flat. Like there were, if you were just measuring my synapses or my heart rate, it's just no activity for like an hour 40 and then get up and leave. And that's it. There's just nothing, nothing. I have no memory of it, but I remember sitting in the theater for it and being like, wow, this stunk. It's awful. This movie will make you flatline <laughs> right there in the theater. You know, it's a really good movie. Flatliners. Mm-hmm. Great movie. Great movie. Well, I'm really glad I got to bring that up. So, guys, I watched Monkey Bone this week, and I watched uh, Cool World. Do we want to talk about those? <laughs> no, but I do want to talk about <laughs> you. Just you just touched on Kiefer Sutherland, and I want to just say because I feel like you guys are the crew to talk about it. Three Musketeers with Kiefer Sutherland, Oliver Pat, Platt, and Charlie Sheen, and Michael I Winkett. No I mean, the only opinion I have is that it's a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. That is uh, the I, but I can't really vouch for if I'm correct. All I know is that I went with my friends uh, to go see that opening night. And beforehand, they played the opening of The Lion King. Mm. I thought that Three Musketeers was the funniest movie I'd ever seen. (laughs) And then the next day, I saw Ernest Rides Again. And the premise of Ernest Rides Again is that Ernest is on a Civil War cannon rolling downhill. And that is the whole premise. It's rolling down a hill and Ernest is on the cannon. So I was young enough to be like, movies are bad. Some movies are not good, but some movies are great. So I had a discerning judgment. So like, I know nostalgia is involved, but at that time, I still could tell the difference between good and bad. So maybe Three Musketeers is great, but if it's not, I'm sorry to everyone who somehow is still listening to this podcast. (laughs) Let's get back to... I I love all these digressions. I'm I'm not gonna lie. Um, it's been nothing but digressions. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's this is why we do this. It's fun. Um, I I do like the. I think Andy Garcia's performance as Terry Benedict on the Oprah Winfrey show in Ocean yeah, Thirteen is so good. Like it's it's again another thing that has no right to be amazing, but he's in character that pompous shit that is Terry Benedict who we love to hate in these movies. And he's just having a ball and it's brilliant. And it's just a stupid throwaway joke. And that instead of making it a joke, they're like, no, we're actually going to give this some air. We're going to let the joke breathe and let you stew in this performance. And it's fantastic. It's so good. It's also just a great payoff to the earlier scene. Yes. With, with Pitt and Clooney uh, watching like the, you know, they're (laughs) giving away a house or some shit on Oprah and, like that scene is perfect in and of itself as, as like a throwaway gag at that point in the movie could not ask for better. Yeah. And they loop it back with another Oprah gag later and you do not see that shit. Coming. Nice. It's, it's so fucking good. It's, it's really great. Ben David. So the thing about monkey bone is like, it doesn't <laughs> really but when Chris Kattan shows up the last 20 minutes, he has like a real commitment to his performance that I was not expecting. And I kind of feel like no disrespect to Brendan Fraser, who I've always loved. I think if Chris Kattan had been the lead in that movie, we'd be having different discussions about monkey bone today. 
I had forgotten you told me that you were rewatching all the movies that uh, Harry Knowles cameoed in over the past week. Uh, oh my god! So, so it was Monkey Bone. It was uh, what was it? Texas Chainsaw, the new one, and uh, the Faculty. When, Monkey Bone, your favorite of the Knowles? Uh, when he canon? showed up in Monkey Bone, I had really suppressed that, and it <laughs> started to make me think about a lot of things, like. There was a time when people it were like, you think about Blade Two and Guillermo del like Toro. If we put, him, if we put him in our movie, it'll people will go. Like there was a <laughs> yeah, like this is a, a hot get. They're like, if we if we do this, it'll be a hit. And I think that's actually the real reason why Ocean's Eleven was not a hit was because Harry could have easily played. Any Linus, Linus. I mean, uh, can you imagine him do, being a pickpocket move? Like he's in a subway. Is it then... Harry? Is it Holly Marie Combs? You know, could have. He been... was next in line after Wahlberg. But... Actually, Harry should have been the guy who like is beating up George, and then you realize they're actually friends, yeah. and then he is in twelve as twelve as well. Thirteen. Center at a comic convention that could have been Harry, could have been like the thug guy. I don't know, man. I don't think he could beat Clooney up from a rascal scooter or whatever the fuck he's been riding around for years now. You know, there, there's like good tangents and bad tangents, and like it's really up to the viewer to decide what's good and what's bad. Mm-hmm. But a strong mm-hmm. feeling that we took a turn we should not have well it started with you bringing up monkey bone frankly yeah yeah you know i did what i did the necessaries to bring this to a screeching halt (laughs) yeah you know but listen you're right now you're the train and scott's denzel in unstoppable (laughs) this is what he's done he's fine i'm just i'm just chris pine i'm just hanging on trying to do some stuff a fun secret for all the listeners to know at home is that you can immediately end any conversation by sprinkling a little Harry Knowles on it. No one wants to keep going. Just a but you can start any conversation like by bringing out Tony Scott's Unstoppable, which is a fucking incredible movie. Just out yeah. of this world. And also, <laughs> recently, a few folks have done screenshots. This is another thing that makes me weep like I'm watching Oprah with a bottle of wine. Is like when it's like in memory of Tony Scott in Top Gun Maverick, and you're like, Oh god, I love Tony Scott. Oh my god, it's the best, the best. And he's the king. Uh, Ocean's 13. Ocean's 13, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to a podcast about <laughs> Ocean's 13. Our discussion is unstoppable, mm, definitely. <clears throat> uh, I have no other things that I uh, that leapt out at me except for. We haven't mentioned these words in this sequence. Sea of love. Uh, I love that this was a sea of love reunion uh, for for Barkin and, and Pacino. And it was so great to see them playing off of one another. And I, I love that they chose, and I don't know if it's like a, I don't know if it's a Soderbergh thing or a Levine and Koppelman thing, but it just feels like casting like iconic kind of new Hollywood royalty as the, the kind of villainous dynamic duo in this movie was like a great choice. And I love, I love it so much because as much as, you know, Tallur is a good villain, like, and Andy Garcia obviously is Terry Benedict is fantastic in the first movie. I, I love those two. Cause they're like just that much worse. Like she's great, but you know, bank is an asshole. I love the, I love the, the part with Pacino where he fucking, you know, there's no audio. 
um, there's like a voiceover happening, and he fucking is talking to somebody at one of the bars in the bank, and suddenly shoves that huge vase of flowers off, and there's like that, you know, pan <laughs> across the still image of it, and you can just see his little mouth, just like eh, he's like so yeah. mad. I love that part. Also, I would like to give a shout out. Speaking of barking and. Pacino in a scene together to so the fucking scene where Brad Pitt comes in as the scientist with the fucking another the great box. mustache. Yeah. Yes. Yes, indeed. And uh, Pacino's like, we don't want our guests interacting with. And he's like, scientists. Yeah, we wouldn't want that. <laughs> and and then when he's walking out of the room, he says something to the effect of like, uh, like Pacino tells Pitt to go down and start gambling on the floor or something. He's like, oh, I don't gamble, sir. Not, you not with people's not lives. Not with people's lives. <laughs> like, fucking, it's such a, a perfect... This, the script on this is so fucking sharp. Like, every, every zinger seems to land in this thing. But the execution to make those, like, hair and costume gags can be, like, so fucking silly. And in these movies, they are, like unbelievably they just hit the bullseye right that could just suddenly break reality so much where you're like okay i know this movie star wants to wear a wig but you're like dude look at that wig (laughs) (laughs) look at his commitment to playing this character it's like whenever they're playing silly characters they're either so small that like it doesn't matter and or with Cheadle, he goes so big when he's doing the give me my money thing. Uh, one of my favorite things is like accents in movies don't usually bother me. Um, and I've always liked kind of how goofy his was. But I remember meeting someone who literally thought he was British because really? of these movies. And I'm like, wow, these movies are powerful. Like someone like was like, look, it sounds like a weird accent, but it can't be because that's just how he sounds. <laughs> just, <laughs> On some level, they just buy into it because it's executed so well. The the you Scott, you were just saying about the sharpness of the script. I love mm. this. There's like twelve tiny moments in the movie where where Pitt and Clooney are talking, and they're like sharing relationship trouble issues, and he's giving him advice. And I feel like they speak in half sentences where they like finish yeah. each other's thoughts. Like and a married every, couple. Every one of those is so amazing because it's like so perfectly underwritten. You don't need to know anything. It just gives you enough for an audience for like two seconds. These two guys are like talking. Yeah. And you left the, how long do the pancakes, what am I, a pancake eater? How long do you leave <laughs> the pancake on the floor? Like, I just love this stupid detail that I keep picking up every time I watch this movie, those conversations. I'm like, they're just outlining fights that, you know, Rusty's had and it's great. It's excellent. Well, it goes, they have the two things, which is starting with the first movie, they have exchanges where everyone's finishing each other's sentences to a point where we never even know what they're talking about. But then the way they play into it with the Robbie Coltrane scene in 12 where you're totally in schizopolis territory where everyone is just speaking gibberish <laughs> and Matt Damon's not in on it. That's my favorite scene in any of these movies and probably any movie is it's like five minutes long and no one ever says anything that's like can be translated at all to the audience, but they're delivering it with such commitment. And then you cut to him and he's just like, uh, like totally <laughs> by the sequence. It's great, and I'm really glad that when you guys saw it on first viewing, you both loved it as much as I did. 
Well, listen, gentlemen, this has been a fantastic conversation. I firstly want to say that both of you are not just half smart, but uh, more smart. And I just want to say Mm-mm. congratulations on the enormity of your success, both of you, uh, because this movie uh, has been so fun to talk with you about and uh, you guys rule. Do you have any, Scott, I know that you're consistently churning out with increasingly phenomenal guests, episodes of the King cast, do you have anything upcoming that you would like to plug? Um, when is this going to air? I'm going to, I'm literally going to post it like in by the end of today oh. on our Patreon. Um, let's see. I know that, you know, we like to keep the guests secret, um, until, you know, the Monday before they appear on the show, we've got some, We've got some very uh, fun names lined up for the end of the year. We try to end each year with, uh, you know, a number of uh, banger guests. Uh, and I think we've got a few of those lined up, assuming no one flakes on us, which is entirely possible. Um, you know who we fucking missed out on by this much just the other day? Darren Aronofsky. Oh, my God. We were this fucking close. Like, we had it set up, and it was less than 24 hours beforehand where they – they got in touch and they were like, "Hey, it's his schedule won't accommodate for this today." <clears throat> but yeah, I was really excited for that one. Um, maybe Pretty we'll get wild. him back when the whale comes out. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I can't I can't tease anything specific other than say that you know we've got some fun stuff planned for the rest of the year. We are uh, re-upping our contract with Fangoria for another year, so we're definitely going for at least another one. Yes, um, and uh, we're having a blast. Uh, oh, uh, we we did a recent uh, event up in Bangor, Maine, with uh, Mike Flanagan and Kate Siegel. Uh, did a live show up there. It was a huge success. We sold out the venue, and um, everyone had every like to a person. Everyone had a fucking blast out there. Uh, but uh, we've already started putting together next year's plan. So um, if you're into Stephen King shit, we're cooking up something really, really special for uh, for next October, and uh, you know. Be on the lookout for that. And David, you can't talk about anything that you're doing. Is that right? Well, um, <laughs> on the next episode of the Crichton cast, uh, <laughs> we have Colin Farrell, and we're going to talk about A Case of Need, uh, which is the Crichton's famous book that he wrote under a pseudonym about abortion. And I feel like cool. this is the episode where we're really going to expand our audience. Yeah, we just did an abortion episode. And, uh, <laughs> the natives were restless. Let me tell you. Yeah, I just like it. It's not. It's not a hot topic. It's like a total neutral like topic. No one can get offended by it. It's great. Well, it turns out that talking talking about it through the prism of Stephen King's insomnia will not hap- uh, help matters. Uh, people will still get very mad. Yeah, there was one thing for me to just talk about it in just for 30 seconds and I alienate people, but to do it as an entire episode is the kind of thing that I love about your show. Is uh, <laughs> yeah. You sometimes are just like, what if we made everyone hate us? And I think <laughs> that's the real key to success in any business. Somehow it's working, so you can't deny the results. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's exactly how I feel about everything you do, is that somehow it's working, so I support <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I will Forrest Gump my way through the rest of this life, uh, just as I have for the 40 years leading up to this point. You know, it's um, it's fun. We're having a good time. And well, I am looking I am looking forward to your next thing, Ben David. 
Well, you know, I have a thing that if people are gonna... If you hear this episode a long time from now, you might have a thing coming out that I made, and you can watch it. So yeah. I hope future listeners coincidentally <laughs> listen to this at the same time that I have a thing coming out on a streaming service. Uh, for, for people that have just seen the thing, uh, you know, let's let's call it two years out from now. They finally caught up with it, and they caught up with this episode. Um or they're just catching up this episode and deciding whether or not to watch it on that streaming service. Like, do you have, do you have anything you want to tell them? Uh, we didn't have a writer's room, so if you hated it, <laughs> uh, everything that you disliked about it, I did. Oh, I... <laughs> I got well played. I love that, gentlemen. You're the best. Thank you so much for doing this, and uh, and. And David, particularly, I'm I'm really glad that after our one conflict that we've ever had about my uh, letterbox rating of Under Siege 2, that we could really bury the hatchet and come back together. <laughs> you uh, know what? I wasn't going to bring it up, and I don't know why you had to bring it up. I just, so. I just wanted to say farewell, adieu, I love you, I love talking to you. Scott, it's been so great catching yes. up for the first time. First time, long time. So cool to chat finally, and yeah, this has been a blast. You guys are the best. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right, love you all. Bye. It's a miserable town. It's a nowhere town. And I am leaving this town. You better believe that I'm leaving this town. Man, it will never be up. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.